The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. to another edition of who is i am your host jp john poshman two-man power trip of wrestling and of course joining me is mr j himself the doctor michael p.s jargo jargo what's going on whole lot of nothing pies you know just sitting here trying to get warm in the midwest as we approach thanksgiving it's you know we've got bipolar temperatures where it'll be you know 60 degrees one day and 20 degrees the next day and everything in between it's, it's absolutely crazy you know you were dealing with it up there in joyzy as well so happy to sit down with you and uh, the real rbv and uh, talk a little bit of raven today looking forward to it yeah, the third man in the booth meet the flockers himself mr tmpt mr hmg mr rbv rick what's going on how you doing well, Jeff, you know, we are just a few days away from we sit down and enjoy uh, enjoy Turkey Day. Uh, but of course, as, as Jargo alluded to there, today is a different kind of bird that we are here to to celebrate, uh, possibly feast on it. And that is one of the most unique, cult iconic figures inside of professional wrestling. Uh, and that is the great Raven himself and, and all of his, I guess, maybe followers, minions, cult, cult yeah. well doers, go, go doers, what, however you want to put it together. Uh, but hey, Tuesday, what a great day it is. You, you got tacos, you got the uh, college football playoffs being released, and uh, you two gentlemen for who is. Nice. Well said there, Rick. And of course, today, who is? Who is the best member of the flock, the nest? I know you want to throw serotonin and the gathering and all the other uh, crazy gimmicks and wild out there groups that he put together. The cult leader himself. It's all about Raven today. So really, I know Rick, you got to explain this though. You sent me a picture, and it looked like Jargo is actually in Raven's flock at one point. Is this true? Well, let's see who was in this thing. I don't, I don't particularly have it handy here for you. I think it's probably in our in our DMs. But uh, you got Raven there, our our great colleague there, Stevie Richards is involved. Is uh, who is the female? Is it um... who's it? Chastity? No, it is the uh, the one that, that wowed the masses with the striptease there. In the yeah, she's in Come there, and and you've got the uh, you know the Raven, the, the flock look uh, always rather grungy. Uh, it's kind of 
mirrored the times of ECW and where they were at. But not a lot of people might not know that that Michael Jargo, I, I don't know, sir, if it was the grunge scene, uh, but you were heavily involved in that, that, I don't know, that style of music, but something similar to that. And he had a rather unique look when he was on stage. And you know, we, we get the paint, we, we've got the, uh, the old school style apparel and all that. Hey, and it was so easy to Photoshop him in there. It, it, he looked like he belonged, right, Boz? Looks like he belongs in there. I actually thought that was a legit picture. I thought I was going to say, <laughs> well, we're going to have to put Jargo on my list. Damn. You know, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, I, I loved Raven as a kid, and I was super into that entire Seattle grunge scene. And so Raven kind of was like my dude, right? So, yeah, it, it, it was a good time hanging out with, you know, Mr. Raven and our, our good friend Stevie Richards. This. Stevie didn't remember me from back in the day, strangely enough. So oh, man, that picture's not even that old, Huckleberry. Yeah, there you go, man. Looks like you belong right in there. With the Absolutely. nest, with the flock, with, with the cult. He really is a, a cult leader and does have a cult following, for sure, that is Raven. With Raven, do you think that as far as the flock and the nest and stuff, is it safe to say we can't include Raven in who is the best flock member, nest member? Would that be a little too obvious because he would probably automatically win? Is it, can we safe to say we can kind of cross him off the list? Yeah, I mean, it's the best member of Raven's flock. I mean, Raven wasn't a member of the flock. He, he was the Raven, he's, he's right? The leader. You know? He is the right. leader of it. Yeah, it was crazy as I was doing the research for this. Like, there's like 34 people that have been affiliated with Raven over the course of the years, man. It, it, it's crazy. He had like his own little freaking promotion going if you just add everything together, right? absolutely insane and jargo as you mentioned as you really deep dive into us and you know just usually when we come up with these these subjects that are, are talking points and all that it's real easy we, we get so much just on the layer but we want to go a little deeper so you really dive into it it got me thinking about you know one of the most fun gimmicks you can have in professional wrestling yes is that cult leader and how you manipulate and influence others and it really got me thinking has anyone done it you know, more masterfully and, and more effective in that position than Raven to manipulate others behind that persona to get himself to where he to where he needs to be. That might be at, um, you know, the heavyweight championship level or just trying to get it, you know, that mid card, just trying to get ahead, getting attention uh, and, and just kind of get under the skin of other individuals and be hard pressed to find anyone who was better in that role than Raven himself. The other thing I found interesting is like Raven led a faction for basically like 11, 12 years. When you, when you really look at like the way that all these things line up, like the flock in 95 uh, or the nest in 95, the flock in 97, the Deadpool in 99, the gathering in 2003, serotonin in 2006. And it's basically feels like one giant faction because it's all Raven, right? So everything just kind of ran concurrently. And it was like, oh, we have a new cast of misfit toys for Raven to play with this week. You got to love Raven, though, right? Not a former WB champion or WCW champion, but former ECW champion, former NWA champion. I mean, he he's definitely been to the top of the mountain and he's was been in every promotion ever. I mean, got to love the guy. Was he an example of a guy that like just genuinely did not need the title? Like Raven was over everywhere he went. He didn't need to be in the heavyweight championship scene. Hell, he didn't even need to win matches. Half the time when Raven wouldn't win the match, that would be the story. There was a lot of cool different storylines that they did with him, like losing on purpose, remember, in WCW mm -hmm. a little bit, then then losing, but like taking a joy out of losing. 
then he's like, you know, the rich guy <laughs> who's really nuts. Like, there's so many different directions you can go with him, too. Good range. You would think, like, oh, the grunge is here, but there's so much range around that character, and you could do so many different things. I actually liked his WCW run more than his ECW run. I know a lot of people loved his ECW run, but then you throw in there his TNA run. He had an awesome run in TNA. Yeah, even going back further than, you know, when we get the creation of the Raven persona in ECW, when he's looking around and you got the great the grunge movement in society and all that, it, you knew there was something really special about the guy, even going back earlier in that, that he had such a unique mind, uh, great personality, a great charisma, going back to, hell, he, what I really fell in love with him was back at the uh, Global Wrestling Federation. Hey. In the early days there. And then, you know, to see, you know, Polo in the WWF and all that, you knew there was something special. He just had to find that unique voice inside of professional wrestling. And then he absolutely hits that home run with Raven. Did like anybody know? The, did I anybody... Say, uh, oh, go ahead, boss. I was just say Gorilla Monsoon did say Johnny Polo was a little light in the loafers. <laughs> did anybody know their character better than Raven? Circa like, you know, the mid 90s to the late 90s. When he was doing that real cult leader thing, I mean, he just knew that character inside out. What he would say, how he would say it. Fantastic stuff. Might be one of the my favorite promos of all time. Like it, just money promo after money promo after money promo. You you would really you know, and it's if you would go study some of those standout cult leaders that you know that came before that time, and you really felt like you were you were not just getting. Uh, Jim Jones, you were also getting Manson like all balled into one. Uh, and then and he's taking it, putting that modern spin on it. So you've got that grunge vibe kind of driving the machine. It, it was something that was it, truly masterful. With him, too, it's funny that DDP played a big role in kind of helping create the character and putting, you know, putting their heads together. But, he, you know, not to say that he created the character, but he kind of gave him the right idea and pushed him in the right direction. And then Raven really took it and you know made it his own. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that Raven really had going for him was a hell of an eye for talent. Especially like I we're not going to talk a whole lot about the gathering. We're not going to talk a whole lot about serotonin, but when you start looking at some of these names, like CM Punk, Mickey James, Frankie Kazarian, like some guys that would go on to be real players, Raven always would surround himself with really good young talent. And the amount of talent that he introduced to mainstream wrestling fans, it's kind of crazy looking back on it in hindsight. Well, you know, again, as I was talking about before the creation of Raven, I mean, look, how young was he when he's working in the office? Yeah. You know, back then where, I mean, you had to pay serious dues. You had to be uh, an extensive travel journeyman. You know, what's the hot mean say, you know, you got to have your 10,000 miles. But he was in that office taking on those responsibilities long before that. You know, getting himself in trouble running around with Shane McMahon out to, the, you know, the wee hours and then not showing up to the office and try to work from home or whatnot. You hear you hear all of those stories. But, yeah, I mean, just that he would that he had earned those roles in that respect so early. It lets you know, you know, what a keen eye and sense he had for the business. One thing also that mentioned uh, Julio De Niro, too. You didn't mention Julio De Niro. Well, one thing I do think that we need to establish here, pause. Mm -hmm. what are the qualifications for this thing? Because you say best member of the flock. Do you mean while they were in the flock, people that went on to incredible careers after the flock? Like what, what are, what are you looking for here? I really want 
in like when they're with Raven. Like it, it could be favorite for whatever reason. Could be the best. Like who had the best not record, but who you know who really did the best. Maybe who got the best push. But I want to have it involving Raven. So it could kind of be almost like Saturn, for instance, maybe could be on there too. Like he also feuded with Raven a little bit, and you know what I mean. Like you can kind of throw that in there too to maybe add a little bit to the resume for well, him as far as being there. But definitely has to revolve around the nest and the flock, and doesn't necessarily have to be the whole career. Yeah, I, I was going to kind of go with were you really were you really established inside of that group? Because there's some names that went on to greatness that you could even mention and be like, oh, whoa, I didn't even remember that, or I, maybe I didn't know that. Uh, like a CM Punk that seemed like it was just uh, a you know a sip of coffee. Well, it, and, like, could you imagine CM Punk hanging out with Raven? Like, you talk about two guys that seem like more contrasting personalities than CM Punk and Raven. But I'm also okay with looking at what they were able to do post-association with Raven and those alliances. Did they springboard that into something grand for themselves? Uh, did we see all new personalities? But they still had those strong ties there when we were like, okay, you know, it, it all started here. So with, obviously, Raven, we're saying he's disqualified. He does not count. Otherwise, we could probably end the show now, and, like, that's the end of it. Raven's going to end up winning. But let's start off with Stevie Richards. Does he land in the list? Where does he land? What do you think about Stevie Richards in the flock? Well, and Stevie is one of the reasons that I ask, like, how do we want to look at this, right? Because, I mean, the the storyline between Stevie and Raven, I mean, it spanned multiple companies. So it's really, really tempting to put Stevie right up into that top spot just because of the sheer amount of time that he spent with Raven, even though Stevie wasn't necessarily booked as strong as I would have liked to have seen him back at that point. It, what's, what's interesting with Stevie, it, I most certainly got him very near, and he's, you know, always I come in, I leave that top spot open, I want to talk it out here, but he's he's in my short running here to claim this thing, and you, and Jargo, it's like you said, the history, the longevity, the twists and turns that we've, that we've had throughout this thing, and I really feel like this is one of those, like, great television shows, sitcom, whatever it might be, uh, your dramas, that had a tremendous, you know, 10 seasons plus run, and we never got that great grand finale payoff between those two. And what could have been here, and I know just, you know, age getting this thing, injuries, different career passes as promotions fold, what the case might be. Uh, but you think about how, you know, I was, while looking at this thing, and I've, and I've thought about it before, looked at the timeline, especially of ECW hitting a closed, where, you know, because I feel about that time, if he could have got back in there, would have re-signed with them, that that would have been Stevie's company to take to the next level, that he would have carried that next generation. Now, but, I know there's some things working there, and maybe you do get that payoff there, but since they go away, WWF's not going to put, you know, it's not going to really give it out a serious amount to play that thing out. They kind of drift apart inside of that promotion. Uh, but, yeah, that was one of those really great unwritten chapters left on the table in professional wrestling for me. But as much as Raven did for Stevie, I feel like Raven held Stevie back a lot too. Like after that initial run with the nest in ECW, when Stevie and Raven kind of break off, Stevie's kind of off doing his own thing. He's starting to get a little bit of a push. People are starting to take Stevie seriously. They bring him into WCW and immediately he's back to being like, you know, one of Raven's lackeys. And, like, if you were going to get that payoff, Rick, I feel like WCW, that early run where they brought Stevie in, just 
kind of to be a, a, a joke lackey to Raven. I think that's the spot where you should have done it. But in doing what they did, I felt like it actually held Stevie back a little bit by being associated with Raven. I would also say if we're looking and we're measuring a great, you know, second hand or a member, did anyone do you're, you're talking about how Raven just maybe held him down a little bit. Was there anyone on the other side that helped elevate Raven as much? And Stevie had you know, a great, a great charisma about him. He could go out there to different roles. Look how much fire that the BWO caught. You know, it, it is kind of a little bit that, that comical spinoff of what you have going with the nest. It, it could he, I mean, when you bring Stevie in to WCW, then where would, I mean, where would that feud fall? I mean, you're looking at something, you're looking at a popcorn match, you're looking at a curtain jerker and all and probably what they had known in WCW about Stevie Richards isn't, you know, doing, doing your research, studying how great of a talent he is, what he could truly, you know, you know, lend to the company for their success they saw the BWO stuff. Right. And they knew he was a second fiddle to Raven. So let's just go ahead in, in this direction. You know, after they tried, right when Raven showed up there, he that's when he went straight to the rich boy, right? Around that time. I think it was okay. a little so, bit. I mean, so there, there's those weird transitions about how you'd work that together. And I just got a feel they looked at Stevie at that point and they're just like, oh, that's the BWO guy. That was the guy that we sent him all those letters to stop doing that over. <laughs> we had to go to court for. I guess he never really had a WWE contract. I guess because he was there and gone pretty quick. I mean, well, he, he had he failed a physical. Yeah, that's the report. Is he failed the physical? I think the report should have read, "You did what we brought you in for. You got Raven over now. Thank you very much." Right. They really Absolutely. had no plans to keep. So him, they yeah. just didn't see the value in it. And again, it's one of those missed opportunities that could have been a tremendous payoff for those two. So Stevie, he's got to be considered. I mean, he was the nest and the flock, technically. So he definitely has to be considered. What about some other members of the BWO? What about Meanie and Nova? Do they count? Are they on the list at all? I've got them on the list, but I don't necessarily have them real high. And I, I feel like the problem is you remember them from the BWO, not from Raven's Nest, right? Like, but it is interesting to kind of think about how they spun off that BWO storyline with people from inside of the nest and how things may have been booked differently inside of ECW had they not spun things off. And Meany is certainly at the top of that list. Do you think the BWO fit with Raven? I mean, they were kind of over his baby faces and he's kind of the hated heel. Do you think he fit with those guys? No, I mean, I get it, right? I mean, it, it, it's the BWO thing. I, I'm so torn on how I feel about it because I have such fond memories of the BWO, but everything that I, I watch back about it in hindsight, it just doesn't seem like, I feel like they could have gotten so much more mileage out of those characters but then what they have gotten is over is the BWO, you know? So it's, it's really interesting to think about. And Meanie is one of those guys where it's like, Meanie can go. People remember the weird dancing and stuff, but you go back to the beginning of this thing, Meanie could actually go. Do you remember uh, what Rick uh, said when BWO first came out? Do you remember? We're taking over. Remember? I thought you were going to go to uh, Styles, reference him as the Blue Oyster Colt. So. Oh, that's not bad. Uh, but no, I, and you go look at the early days, and I think as Jargo was talking about, you know, do, 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 does it make sense as the BW fit in with the Nest? And I think that 
that's really what was so genius behind it. Well, I mean, what was ECW at the time? It was this land of this misfits. We're doing and nothing that really makes sense, but it, ultimately it's over the top entertaining. It's extreme entertainment, if you will. But before we settle on the BWO, before they go out there and just parody and just completely hit that home run parodying the NWL, remember they were doing all sorts of other things. So you've got these people that are essentially inside of this stable, this, this faction, the occult. They are, you know, you're supposed to be brainwashed. You're following the great Raven, your great leader here, but they're trying to find their own identities. So I think that was the genius of the thing. I, I'm surprised that Jargo didn't give the answer here as we get regularly that he didn't group the BWO. So we had that Stevie A, you know, Nova B, Meanie C, but they're all one collective where we could, rep, you know, represent them as a group, which I might put them together now. I might put them together as one. You got to put Stevie above the other guys, no? Oh, I do. Yeah, but it, I think it just adds, it, it adds to what, you know, if Stevie wants the second fiddle to Raven, then he's got his, you know, sidekicks as well. What do you think, Paz? Do you think all three of those guys individually could have been bigger deals? Or was BWO, like, so over that it's hard to argue with the decision? Mm, I guess they were so over, and somehow, <laughs> I don't know how, right. got so over, they were, like, worked better together, for sure. The only one I could see would be Stevie kind of breaking off on his own and becoming, like, a main eventer, especially in ECW. But uh, together, it was weird. It almost is like if you put that down on paper, you're like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Like, it's not going to work. It's horrible. But it worked for some reason. Somehow it was over. over. Yeah, you never know. It, it was. And that could be another uh, a great topic for who is what, you know, we could spit it into those things that never should have worked. Like, uh, it's Mr. Sacco. <laughs> yeah. Head. Hey, yeah. Hey, hey, put over the plug here. Uh, pause just with a, a great conversation with Mr. Al Snow. And he, and he talks in depth about. The creation of the character and the head itself. Al Snow's book is fantastic. I think everybody should read it. Oh, nice. Okay. Look at you, Jargo. Free plug for Al Snow's book out there. You know what? Al Snow kind of changed my life, dude. Like, seriously, like, when we sat down and interviewed Al Snow and we were doing all the research for Al Snow and I got into, like, going down the rabbit hole of Al Snow talking about how the punch is the, like, fakest thing in all of professional wrestling completely changes your viewpoint interesting huh good stuff um is lupus just throwing this out there quickly is lupus on the list probably not right or did he make the list lupus is on my list because Whoa, i have Jargo, my because i have every member that was ever affiliated <laughs> with raven okay, on my list okay. that's how high right. lupus is on the list lupus I just had to throw them out there just because it's so funny and random and just so Raven, not that horrible and the Nickelodeon show, but that's so Raven that he would do that. You know, like I'm just going to bring this random guy and I'm going to make this work and it's going to be a bit of a comedy thing. He's a weirdo. We're going to give him a horrible name. Well, you know, as much as we talk about Raven surrounded himself with some great young talent, he surrounded himself with other people too. Yep. Like Lupus. Yeah. So let's talk WCW. Let's go to the flock. Let's really break this down. What about Kidman? Just Seven reminder, year everyone go get their lupus shots after this. Right, of course. Remember uh, George Costanza? Is it lupus? Do I have lupus? <laughs> I always think of Dr. House. Because Dr. House like tried to diagnose like at least half of his patients with lupus throughout the course of an episode. <laughs> Interesting. What about Billy Kidman? The seven-year itch. 
Where's Kidman land? Billy Kidman is the top of my list. And Billy Kidman is the top of my list because did anybody get more out of being in the flock than Billy Kidman? I mean, he shows up basically a complete unknown and then ends up becoming a multi-time cruiserweight champion. One of the pillars inside of that killer cruiserweight division with all of the luchadors. Kidman's the top of my list. He was the first guy that I thought of. Absolutely. Love me some Billy Kidman. Yeah, I had him up there as well. And kind of what Chago said there is you're looking with someone that, and this is what, what really when someone joins a cult is their loss. They, they're sure they really need that direction. And, you know, to turn the corner here and just really reinvent himself and head towards a, another hot streak. I mean, you could argue, I mean, did anyone, anyone on this list at that time need it more and take uh, the greater advantage of it than Kidman? I mean, Kidman might like when you look at accolades and whatnot, Kidman might have gotten more out of being in the flock than Raven did. Really? How so? Do you think Kidman would have been on the WCW roster if it wasn't for the flock? Do you think that he ever would have become cruiserweight champion, that he would have been in that position against guys like Mysterio and Hooventude and Psychosis if he wasn't part of the flock? Like, it was a reason to put Kidman on TV. He got that opportunity, and he did more with it than anybody. I could argue even more than Raven did. I, I it might be a stretch on it, but I, I will entertain the conversation with you. I mean, you look at how stacked that cruiserweight roster is at this time and and what people are kind of used to, what they're expecting out of it. And Kidman really becomes just – he gets lost and easily gets lost in that shuffle without rep being representing the flock here yep. in that class that on that area of the cart. He was uh, basically noticed. Like he kind of had no idea who he was. If you saw Saturday Night or you know Worldwide or whatever, all those other B shows, you always saw him in like that blue gear, the pants, or looking skinny and just like who is this jobber? But like, oh wow, he's you know he's kind of athletic. Oh, he's got he's got a little something, even though he's really small. But you're like, wow, who is this guy? But then you put him in the flock, you give him the itch, you give him the shirt. You know, then he starts getting noticed a little bit. It's like, wow, that's pretty cool. I wonder if he was hand selected by Raven himself. Raven a lot of pull. Well, I mean, Kidman absolutely fit the look, too, with the long yeah. black hair, you yeah. know, so it, it was it was something pretty easy to go to. But I, Rick's yeah, absolutely right. He, he right. Looks like, the time. He looks like the grunge part. He, but he was so incredibly generic. Like, there was nothing about Kidman that stood out. He could, he could wrestle, but he had no personality. He had no kind of direction. They put him in the flock, and next thing you know, he's out there, you know, having – four and a half star matches to kick off the card and, and wrestling in these crazy four ways and whatnot with the luchadors. And he just fit in. He was a great representation for that kind of grunge generation of kid that just wanted to see good athletic wrestling, but he needed some kind of a character. He needed some kind of a personality and the flock really gave that to him. Well, you, you look at this, a, a young white kid with no direction. Hey, man, that's a perfect candidate for a cult. That, I mean, that's grunge personified right there, right? Hey, and who else takes this advantage? So look at this entire list. Is Kidman the only one that's beat Hulk Hogan on this list? Uh, I'm going to say yes. Even though there is a Hogan on this list, but yes. I'm gonna and say and yes. you know what? I knew we were going to get to him as well. And I love that with Raven. Instead of the recruiting, 
he's he's using Horace here to get closer to Hogan to gain more influence. Well, I mean that that it's actually when you think guys that could have beaten Hogan. As I'm looking at the list, I mean you got Bubba Ray Dudley would have been on that list. Did did Bubba ever get Hogan like in TNA? No, no. Okay. Um, how about uh, wait a minute? Was was Bubba actually in there, or was it the other Dudleys? I don't think he was in that. Was it just the other Dudleys? It was uh, Big Dick Dudley, Dudley Duddy, Dudley, and Little Snot Dudley. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, Cactus Jack was affiliated with Raven at one time. Did Foley ever get Hogan? Nope, never wrestled. That's insane that those two guys never like their paths never crossed. Uh, Stevie clearly should have pinned Hogan. Um, Vampiro, did Vampiro ever get Hogan? No, 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 no. no. Um, CM Punk, Punk and Hogan, they they, they never wrestled, did they? I no. think maybe the closest. Did, did Muda and 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 I know what this is a little bit outside. We're talking what Deadpool, but did, did yeah. Muda ever? Well, and Muda ever... Muda joined after Raven was gone. Yeah, I guess you're. Yeah, it was he was kind of that. We need to fill this. So, yep. So yeah, no, none of none of them ever got Hogan, unless Horace ever pinned Hogan, and and I don't think that ever happened either. I think uh, maybe at the family reunion. Oh, maybe it didn't work for him, brother. Hot dog eating contest, the, the Hogan, love that Hogan family hot dog throwdown. I think Horace got him back in uh, 01. You got to love they put Horace Hogan in that group, though. You got to love that. Well, I thought it was genius. I mean, because Raven's trying to get to Hogan. I mean, that's really what it was all about. Like, it wasn't about Horace. But I think, too, it's there. It's, this is, and too, you know, if, if Raven's the one pitching this thing and, and getting and having the influence, I got to believe that you, at the time, the powers that be were really looking at it, that coming up with stuff for Raven. He's pitching his own stuff here. But this is where you start to have, you're getting message boards and chat rooms and you're getting news really hitting the average Joe. You're getting this big, it's that boom period of the dirt sheet news. So what better way to go to screen and have a story where, yeah, you're trying to manipulate a family member of the guy with the biggest pull, with the most creative control that gets his way everything he wants in all of professional wrestling. Yeah, I mean, it was genius as far as the storyline goes, but I'm not sure that Horace really belongs on any list, except for maybe least interesting Hogan family member. Ouch. Chargo, what's your problem, man? What? Brooks even more interesting than Horace. <laughs> Can't believe you're saying that. Um, just as far as the group itself, I just love how random it is. So, you know, Kidman, you got Horace Hogan eventually at one point. Lodi is in the group at one point, being the sign guy, really, of the group. What do you think about Lodi? I know he's on the list, Chargo. Lodi was at one point kind of the highlight of nitro just to see what in the hell the sign was going to say like yeah. you, you like you would have to stay tuned into nitro because you didn't know like you had to see lodi sign you weren't so much interested in seeing lodi but you had to see lodi sign i love asking sullivan when i get him you know get him for a test master talks random questions like somebody's supposed to be looking at lodi signs he's like yeah technically but no one ever really did or double checked but somebody's supposed to be looking so he literally could put anything and they wouldn't realize it until maybe standards and practice or somebody alerted them that something not so right was on the sign. So that's one thing. And I said, what about Raven? Does he kind of control his own storyline? Does he do what he wants? He said, yeah, he pretty much did. He would say to Sullivan, like, what's the plan? He's like, oh, I'm thinking you and DDP. And then he's like, what do you got? And then Raven comes back with like, I got this, this, and this. And then DDP would be like, 
um, maybe we save that for a week for next week. And then Raven goes, no, there's no saving. We do it this week. And they were kind of go back and forth. And then Sullivan would be like, yeah, that sounds good. Whatever you guys decide. Like he was so open to it because he said Raven had such a good mind for the business that he almost let him not book himself, but he give himself so much breathing room or so much with the character. Like, here, you guys do this. This is the direction I want to go in, but you guys fill in the gaps. What they should have done with Bray Wyatt. Yes, but for some reason they did not. Because that's not how the business works anymore, gentlemen. Uh, yeah, with, with Lodi, though, you know, it's one of those small little pieces that you add in. Hey, we got a guy here under contract. They're not doing anything with him. Well, how, what what can we use to get? You're going to get your TV time. As Jargo said, it might not be, you know, exactly remember the face. Remember what she did. But, they're, yeah, they're remembering the act. And it's that extra little bit of spice that's going to help get, you know, these other these other people over inside of this this band of misfits. Would you consider Wade Boggs, Hall of Fame baseball player legend? Would you consider him a member of the flock? You have to. You have to. You never seen that awesome picture online where it's like Ravens flock. They're in the back, obviously, and he's a, he's he's the best friends, are really good friends with Kurt Henning. So he's backstage at the shows, and it's literally the flock and Wade Boggs. I mean, he sticks out like a store thumb in the picture. It's so freaking funny. It's one of those things where, like, wait, what? Like, what? When did this happen? But it's, it's his own pictures backstage or whatever. But it's just awesome. It's like Wade Boggs, member of the flock. What the hell's going on here? He looks so out of place, but you can see how happy he is. Like, he's loving. He's a huge mark. Loves or was a huge mark. Was a big fan of the business, and he was really good friends with Mister Perfect. Crazy. Well, so, uh, I guess uh, any, I mean, I mean, Red Sox Nation. I mean, they're just, they're just as a crazy cult as any of these are. So, yeah, but you and, got and, co- and collectively, Sox a Nation. bunch of losers that only can get over when they come together. Yeah, he, he got thrown out of Red Sox Nation, though. Came over to the winning team. Sounds like uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Hey, we're, we're happy at nine and two, man. It's Iowa. It's not like we're competing with Alabama. I mean, come on. We're happy at nine and two. Ten win season? You bet. Screw Nebraska. You got to take Alabama out of that number two spot now, don't you? You would think? You would think. Come on. Yes. Almost lost to Arkansas, for Christ's sake. Come on. They had way too many close games, Joe. I mean, they almost lost to Florida, and Florida stinks. Yeah, but the Oregon loss. I don't know. Yeah, that wasn't that great either. But it helps Alabama. Yeah, yeah, it really does. Yep. Bama will go to three. Ohio State will jump to two. You see it four. Oh, okay. I can see that. Well, they were five, right? So they they have to jump yeah. to four. They'll okay. come up. And then yeah. Oregon and Oregon's done. Uh, and then don't be surprised. Even if in a close game Bama loses to Georgia with two losses, they still go in as the four and you get a rematch of Georgia Bama in a semifinal. Which also would leave room for potentially an Ohio semifinal with Ohio State at two and the Bearcats at three. I think Cincinnati versus any of those teams loses by 40. That's what they said last year, but I would tend to agree with you, but that's another show. Another show, another yeah. conversation. Yeah, come on, Jargo. Keep us on track here. You what, brought it up, Paz. What about Reese? Ron Reese, a seven foot two, 450 pound monster. Reese. You know, it, it's funny. I think you just said everything nice about Reese right there. Seven I, foot there two, I, 500 I, pounds. Uh, I think you, you hit the resume for Reese there. I think it, he's probably one of those guys. They were just hoping that that pure size was going to work inside that group. But it's in any existence, the, the followers of Raven 
They, they didn't really need that. You know, it was it was a more about unique personalities and characteristics than it was the physical. But I do, and, and that's think, what got those. Into, that's what got those people over. I do think that he helped the visual when you would get the entire group there together yeah. because he looked like such a monster that yep. even even if he wasn't necessarily you know the greatest talent, he, he gave the group a bit of credibility just by having that sheer size and the visual when you would look at the group. I wonder if you're looking to fill that role, this is off the top of my head, so I mean, I have to come up with a, a name who would be available in those times. If it was, okay, we do need someone that's going to look, a, who's just going to look different because we got all of these different personalities, but they did kind of all have similar physiques. They're under a certain height. I mean, there were some good builds in this thing, but you know, they all had that raw, rugged kind of feel to them. So now you got this guy that's just standing heads above them. What if they did, if they were able to find somebody with a little more charisma with that unspoken personality, that would have been more of a success. I think maybe it was just miscasting. You know it who was it so should cool have been? though? Who? John Tenta. Oh, interesting. It was just so cool though with Reese. When Goldberg was shooting with the flock, just like the visual of him beating all those guys up and the crowd literally going ape shit and then him beating them Reese, it's like, holy shit, we, we just witnessed like three car wrecks. Like, holy crap, that was awesome. Yep. And it's it's kind of like the same principle, like Adam Cole needs some kind of a heavy with him, like just because of his size. Yep. And Reese feel it very much filled the same role for me. Well, no, he wasn't too. I mean, he, he's still in, he's not as big, but he is larger than the other ones. I mean, Van Hammer didn't fill that role for you there. Whoa, 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 whoa! We're not going to go ripping Van Hammer right now, are we? No, I'm just kidding. I mean, it, oh, I, okay. We're, we're, the feelings that he's talking about maybe the bigger men inside of these groups. I was going to say he's probably at the top of my list right now. Really, Paz? Why are you such a Van Hammer, Mark? I don't know. <laughs> I kind of not really when you think about it, but I remember one time I, I interviewed Mick Foley a while back and we were joking around. We were like, I'm the only good match Van Hammer ever had. I kind of led him with that, but like, he's like, I might be the only good match Van ever <laughs> Like, I remember like somehow I was like, holy shit, Van Hammer, awesome match. But it was really Foley, obviously, uh, kind of carrying him a bit. But I don't know. I like Van Hammer. Just such a random something about him just so randomly in that group obviously he's really was friends with raven at the time and that's how he got into the group but it's just it's just so random it's like where the hell's van hammer been like oh shit there he is he's in the flock like don't you feel like van hammer should have been a bigger deal yeah oh of course so what held him back um was it just a personality conflict did he just not take to the because i mean he looks like he should have been somebody like he should have yeah. at least been, you know, us champion kind of stuff. Right. Like, and I think that's why they held on to him for so long. I mean, for years he had WCW contract because he just has a good look about him, but just wasn't able to execute. Wasn't really able to, you know, reach his full potential for sure. You just look at him and be like, Oh shit, who is this guy? He's ripped. He's right? huge. Like six, four. Like who's this big monster? It just didn't work out for him. And it feels like inside of the flock was really the only time that he ever had any kind of real direction. Like we can kind of joke about it, but when you think of Van Hammer and his personality, it didn't really exist outside of the flock. He was just kind of there. And if you think he really worked there from like 91 to <laughs> 01 crazy. Yeah. yeah. He was there forever. So Van Hammer's not going to top your list. Then, then no, 
Well, he's not the. I mean, he's on my list, but he he's not at the top of it. I just I I, I don't understand why you are such a Van Hammermark. Well, I think you know, look at this. In who, who, does, who does he who does he tell us week in week out? is the greatest of all time and in, in every aspect of professional wrestling. He, it's a certain look. Well, I mean, I figured that Horace would be number one on Paz's list. Not a Horace fan. Although, <laughs> no, uh, I, and I think there was one of more things, so than some of you guys, but uh, not, not so high on my flock list. It's one of those things with Hammer. You're right. I mean, the guy looks like a million bucks. You, you think he should absolutely have it there. Yeah, I'm just going, you know, from stories, listening to it there, that maybe it just didn't click for him. It, it, it was just a... a kind of a trouble grasping the true fundamentals, how you handle stuff. How do you work that game? Heard some other things. I don't know. You, you get it. He, he was a rock star, man. So maybe he's partaking a little bit of the rock star part of the business not at that, times not. a little too much. And, and a lot of the business is timing too. You look where he's positioned, where he's climbing. You know, even he's young coming into the company. You got your Lugers, your stings on the rise. You know, I know he goes over for, did he sign with WWE or just he went over and did some tryouts with them for a little bit? And then you, you come back to WCW and boom, you're you've got all these WWF legends coming over to take those those big spots. And it kind of shifts everyone down the card. What about I mentioned before, what about Perry Saturn? He's got to be high up on the list. Saturn is very high on my list because I love that feud. The feud yep. between Saturn and Raven that that kind of led to the devolving of the flock all the way around. I just I thought that was some great freaking television for WCW, and I was always way higher on Saturn than it seemed like most of my friends. Like I always thought Saturn was a really really good in ring talent, and even Excellent. when they made the yeah. jump over to the WWF. I thought Saturn was really going to take off, and then he kind of just became that other guy inside of the Radicals. I I, I always had a very, very high ceiling for Saturn, and he never quite reached that height for me. Yeah, as soon as they gave him Moppy, I was like, oh, shit, it's Mm -hmm. over for him. I was like, fuck. I I think that maybe you know it's one of those things, and you're talking about a land of the giants. You're talking about a a land of larger-than-life personas. You look at you look at Sand. It's like that's a guy just knocking on the door. He just needs that break. Unfortunately, it never came. Yeah. So so if we're talking about topping a list of guys, and I don't want to say we're disappointments, but you would have bet the farm on that would have had some kind of extensive run that you completely missed out of this group. It's Saturn or one other gentleman, and we're going to get to him here. I'm sure. I mean, when they made the jump to the WWF, I thought Saturn was going to end up having the best career out of those four because I thought he had more personality than Benoit. Eddie hadn't really broke through into that heavyweight kind of Eddie Guerrero that we would come to know and love. I thought Vince was going to be all over Perry Saturn, and then he just, yeah, gave him a mop. It was weird. What about Chris Canyon? And there's that name. <laughs> you betcha. Who better than Canyon? Nobody. Um, and the nice thing about Canyon is even after the flock like goes away, Canyon stays with Raven. Like Canyon was still loyal to Raven, even when everybody else had kind of turned on him. And I thought that Raven did a, a huge amount to get Canyon to the place where he was. And then it just never worked. For one reason or another, I loved Chris Canyon and he just never, again, kind of like Rick was saying with Saturn, he just never got that opportunity. I felt like. 
I agree. Yeah, he's he's one of those you just you look back on the the talent. You could tell his personality, given so many different personas, that he they absolutely made work. All he did was uh, get himself over. And again, it was one of those cases of uh, bad timing, wrong breaks. Uh, but yeah, out of this entire list, you know, if we're sitting back then talking about this, I would get, bet you anything. Candy is going to be this great breakout. I mean, we can, we're going to see pushing for newer heights in WWF, WWE. You know, that's going to be pushing to main events wherever he goes. And for reason here, it just fizzles after this. He was the complete package. He could, he could talk. He had personality inside of the ring. Now, again, you know, there's none. There is a lot uh, as he's dealing with his personal life backstage, you know, a lot of demons there uh, that throughout that would come out, you know, throughout time here. That, and, I mean, he, while he, that's was dealing, true, he was dealing with a lot. I, and, and while that's true, and we all know that he was dealing with a lot. Have you ever heard anybody say anything negative about Canyon? Like, it seemed like all the guys loved him backstage. Like, it wasn't a, a huge personality conflict or anything. Just the opportunity never came for him. Well, except for Cena, who caught all that heat for saying that, like, a couple months ago. Well. And it wasn't. Cena didn't say anything bad about the, the individual. He just said he didn't like his work style. Right. Which, coming from John Cena, might be the most hilarious statement in the history of oh, professional if, wrestling. If, if, if that's coming from Cena, then... That's coming from other people that are high up that Cena has influence with that have that he's been able to talk to during those times. Uh, eventually, you hear something that you're up the top there. You're hearing something in an office so many times you begin to repeat it yourself. I feel like Chris Canyon, Kevin Owens, very, very similar people. It's just Owens got the opportunity and Canyon never did. Fair. That's fair. I uh, just, I mean, because it's a result of the styles yep. in the eras. Interesting. Um, what about Sick Boy? Are you a fan of Sick Boy? I, I well, I wouldn't necessarily call myself a fan of Sick Boy, but very much in the same respect that we would kind of talk about Billy Kidman. Would Sick Boy have been around if it wasn't for the flock? Like Sick Boy actually absolutely made the best out of that opportunity. Uh, I was going to say, just even outside of the block, he wasn't really long, around that long, period. No, no. No, it was really... Another guy that Raven, like, kind of almost... This is your way. Yeah, like, he keeps him on the roster, gets him paid. It's funny. Yep. Yeah, because Sick Boy had no business being on that roster as long as he was. But he, I felt like Sick Boy was just very much like Lodi. Like, you would look forward to seeing Sick Boy as a member of the flock together, but, like, Outside of the flock, nobody cared. I think it's a case, too. He, he's young when he joins them, right? He's fresh out of the plant. So he, he's, he's getting that break there. So it's okay. Let's get him out there. Let's get some let's get some mileage on those wheels. Let's see what he's got. Hey, this works here. I'm sure he's friends with somebody in there, gets with Raven. They bring him in. But it also gives, you know, as Paz was talking about earlier, you know, some of those great just the imagery with Goldberg just going through the entire stable. It gives right. them bodies to throw in their way when, you know, when whoever they're they're going up against. What about my favorite member of the flock? Riggs, a.k.a. Scotty Riggs. I, I will say this. 
when we talk about Raven and the manipulations of that character, the Scotty Riggs feud and recruitment into the flock is kind of the perfect example of the Raven character. If you're, if you were introducing somebody to Raven who had never seen the character, that might be the storyline that I would go to with Riggs losing an eye. And then he ends up coming back to the flock with the eye patch and everything. And I, after buff had joined the NWO, they really wanted something for Scotty Riggs to do. Raven was like, I oh, don't give him to me. I'll do something with him. I mean, I, I like Scotty Riggs as a talent and I like Scotty Riggs inside of the flock. I, I know it, it's, it seems like a very odd pairing, but when you watch that entire storyline unfold, it was some really, really good television. I love yeah, that. I have, and and agree, it was like a great the, fit. And the mid card too. I mean, that was awesome in the mm-hmm. mid card. Hey, and you're looking for someone, he, he looks like a million bucks. He's been with the company for a while. You've seen him, you know, handed some different opportunities waiting for that big break here. And I think this is probably what he, you know, he really makes something uh, of what's presented to him. And I enjoy this work there. I remember tuning in, see his interaction here, what was happening. When you think of Scotty Riggs, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Is it pirate Scotty Riggs or is it American male Scotty Riggs? Cause for me, American it's flocks. Males. For me, American it's the flock. Males. American mess. No, uh, I, I think flock too first with that awesome eye patch. And when he took off the eye patch, mm-hmm. he's got the uh, partial ocular albino, you know, uh, like in uh, Wayne's World 2. He's got that whole thing going on. I, when I think about what I enjoy the most, it's absolutely pirate Scotty. But uh, it, I love the that first shot is the American males. But I love that build too when he, he gets his eye, Raven screws up his eye, and then they literally carry him off, you know like a martyr basically they carry him off that they're going to take him cool for the mid card too it's like you keep other things going on and keep people's interest throughout the whole show and there's some great raven promos in that program too yes yes good little feud keep both of those guys busy i i really like that so just want to mention some of the girls i don't know if they'll really you know, be the best member not mention some of the girls chastity the beautiful chastity kimono wanalea beulah at one point francine at one point and Lori Fullington, of all people, at one point, and you mentioned before, of course, Mickey James. Well, and I mean, what about Tyler Fullington? Like, Tyler Fullington yes. might be the top yes. of this list. I mean, because yes. that kid absolutely killed that role. That was pretty devious. I feel like it was storyline. Oh, Think about man. it. Pretty dark. Pretty, pretty grim storyline. I mean, people- my dad's a drunk. Like, what? People remember, you know, the feud between Dreamer and Raven and what it meant to ECW, but Raven and Sandman and that feud might be the best thing that ECW ever put out. And certainly one of the more extreme programs that they put out. You talk about that program and the family. I mean, it was some of the things that they had throughout their their run against one another some of the most controversial in all of progress i mean going back to where kurt angle is going to sue the company if there's even mentioned because of what they had going on with, with the crucifixion yeah. and uh it, it, it's funny that you know it's and i don't know if it's the nostalgia the, the feeling the love of ecw you, you saw wwe sample so much of that later and just get chastised like no other for you know it would be the execution or even the attempt to go in that direction uh, but some of these moments that, you know, that were, I don't say copied, but mirrored from ECW where they were so praised over. As I'm like sitting here trying to think back, like, because 
we all would have been like early teenagers when that feud kind of happened right I'm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking right like you know 14 pa's a little bit younger than us probably in that like 12 13 kind of range right when tyler does the crucifix pose and quote the raven nevermore was that like the first holy shit moment in your pro wrestling fandom like it, i couldn't believe I w- what was happening on my screen Maybe Savage getting bit by the snake from Jake the Snake. Oh, yeah, that's a good one, too. That's a good one, too. But, I mean, there it was even more like we were still kids and the lines were still so blurred. But by the time, you know, this comes along, it's like we, we're pretty clued into what's going on, right? But, man, Tyler with that crucifix pose, that was something. So just want to mention some others. Not going to necessarily be on the list, but I just threw down the pit bulls, Tony Stetson, Johnny Hardbody, or Hotbody, excuse me, and ICP. Did I miss anybody? What about Vampiro? I mean, I I realized Vampiro was part of you know the, the whole Deadpool thing and ICP, and they're doing like the Juggalo thing and whatnot. But Vampiro really got one hell of a rub from Raven. What about Michael Shane? Oh yeah, it's a good one too. Was was it the vampire? Like, was was it short lived though? They yeah, weren't very, that long together. Yeah. Raven it, quit almost right after that. And you would think that the longer those two would have been together, think of how great that freaking television would have been. It would have been interesting to see how they would have grown together because you yep. at, at some point were in all of these other formations. You had Raven as your obvious. He's the the father of the call. He's your leader. There wouldn't have been enough room for both of these two at some point. So it would have been interesting to see that evolve and what what kind of programs it could have those could could have had. Those would have been some dark, dark promos when it ended up the two of them against one another. The only problem is one of them would have had to be in a baby face, and I'm not sure who you would want to win inside of that program. I, I think that would have been a perfect time if they could have just pulled that off and got those two together and evolve that program i think that would have been something hot at the time for tna to do something different yeah absolutely yes so jargo who is the best flock member who do you got i really really want to go with my buddy stevie richards but i'm gonna go with the kid i'm going with billy kidman at number one on my list of the greatest flock members I, I am going to go with uh, Big Stevie Cool. And nice. you know, what I talked about, and ha- nice. you know, what I came in looking at these at is, okay, what did you mean while you were there? What could you do? And what did you do with that legacy of the group going forward? I really think all around, you, you look at where Stevie went to being the second fiddle in that group, a follower, to standing out even what's inside the bubble with the BWO. Even as he goes for that short run there, the WCW, he helps Raven get over, get established there in that spot. And then to see what Stevie was able to do once he arrives in WWE, you know, he becomes a leader of his own group. He's working these great entertaining programs and showing how diverse he is. And, you know, even when he's out there portraying, if it's dude love or whatever it might be, that all goes back to the roots of what he was doing inside of the nest. I am going to have to go in a different direction than both of you. I'm going to go with Saturn. 
Uh, I just feel like he had the the best upside, and he kind of led to the downfall of the group, which was kind of one of the better storylines they had going at that point. I thought that was cool, the, the, the little mini feud there that they had. Well, not really mini feud, but feud that they had there. I'll go with Saturn, even though Riggs is probably my favorite uh, block member. Great guy, by the way. Great guy. Love Scotty Riggs. So as far as this week, as far as uh, who is the best flock member, we're pretty much um, uh, three different phases, three different guys. And I'm surprised nobody picked Van Hammer, but you know, this will be a different story for a different day. For but, three different valid reasons. I think you can yeah. make cases for all these guys. Yeah. Cool little topic, but I'm surprised that Rick didn't go with the original choice that he told me. And of course, oh, going with, back with to the Mr. beginning. With Mr. Jargo, right? Jargo, yeah. Absolutely. The the, uh, the flocker that the mother flocker that never was. <laughs> I'm actually surprised that that picture was uh, what do you call photoshopped? I thought that was a real picture. Well, thank you, thank you for uh, the compliment <laughs> on my editing skills there. Uh, but before before we get out of here, yeah, uh, Jarko, I want you to do the honors because you remember it in much greater detail than I. I yes. had a couple of drinks at, at that. What point is the gas the station evening. story? What is it? I, I'll set I'll set the table. And then I'll yeah. let Jargo deliver it home. So we are at the very first StarCast. Uh, Jargo and I had the privilege of being there representing our brand, the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. We were there on behalf of the Hami Media Group. And it's been a long couple of days. Uh, you're working pod row, then you're out on the floor. You're hitting, you know, you got the wireless mics. We're, we're trying to keep up on social media. We're hitting as much as we can. So it's winding down. Of course, I go over and grab a couple of Jagermeisters. Jargo might have had one that evening, but I'm sure I had a few more. But, Hey, it's late. There is nothing open on the outskirts of Chicago where we're at here. So that means you got to grab some gas station food. So uh, actually, I think it was a big wheel. Frito Scoops. William Alicia was driving us back and forth because so we, we missed the shuttle. We got out of out of the uh, Starcast a little later here. That I guess their arena where they were at. So we find a gas station that is open. It looks like they have a little deli area in there. And, we're making rounds. I go over and I grab my uh, my three super, super hot bean burritos ready to go. And Jargo grabs whatever he's got there. And, and lo and behold, who do we turn around to? Almost run into Mr. Raven. Hey, Raven. And, of course, we're still wearing our press credentials from StarCast. And let me tell you, Raven was ecstatic to see a couple of pro wrestling supporters inside of the gas station with him. Like you could almost see his eyes roll <laughs> into the back of his head. And what proceeded to happen, Rick and I have debated over the course of the years, how much of it was a shoot and how much of it was Raven just messing with us. Right. So Raven gets his order and gets up to the counter. And this is Raven's order, pause. Now, keep in mind, this is like, you know, probably one o'clock in the morning in Chicago. Raven gets a bag of nuts, a banana, and a six-pack of beer. Wow. Nice. Weird. Nice, nice. right? So Raven gets up to the counter, and as, as Raven's going through the checkout, it all of a sudden occurs to him, oh, and I, I, I need a few scratchers, too. <laughs> yes, Raven buying lottery tickets, quite possibly like the most stereotypical thing in history. But then he proceeds to explain to the guy that he really needs this double bagged because, you know, he, I, I have to walk through my hotel. And, and, and if the bag would rip, I, it would just make me cry. 
It's like what a ten hell? minute story. And there's like this line yeah. forming now behind you. <laughs> <laughs> and Raven's just like sitting there explaining to this guy that you know if the plastic bag tears, it's it, he's it's gonna make him cry, and like oh we never approached Raven, we didn't talk to him, like we were, we had enough decency in us that it, once we were outside of the hotel venue, we're not bothering these people. They're just I trying think to I get had their to stuff say, and go me home in an aisle because I almost ran into him, but that was it. Yeah, so we're just leaving the dude alone. And, and I seriously wonder how much of it was Raven just screwing with us. Like, what would the Raven character be doing, you know, in 2018 at a gas station in Chicago at one o'clock in the morning? Six pack of beer, bag of nuts, banana, and some scratchers. Double bagged. <laughs> the Raven combo pack. <laughs> hey, Crazy you know, uh, t- tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, is this, well, if it's if it's not, but uh, any big, well, Wednesday is, but it's the biggest bar night of the year. But whenever you can yeah. listen to this, if it's if yep. it's going to be the weekend or one of your biggest bar nights, remember on the way home, get yourself that sixer, bag of nuts, and a banana. And don't forget the scratchers. Yes, get some scratchers. That's got to be arguably the weirdest order. <laughs> right? It was yeah. just so awkward. Great exchange. It's so Raven. It really is. He is a strange dude, but you got to love him. You got to love him. That's why you got to love him. But let's head towards the plugs. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website, tmptempire.com. And of course, Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. Michael Jargo. What do you got, oh, Michael? Keep up with me over at markmedia.com, the blowoffpod.com, destinopod.com, michaeljargo.com, at not jargo across social media platforms. And of course, find me over at nodq.com for the nodq review. Rick, what do you hey, got? Plug, plug there, uh, we can get two man power trip content and get content from the Hameen Media Group at his channel, attitude.com. You can also keep up with me, the art of the B2B, Richard Bronson Vickery across all social media at the real RBV. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, everybody out there for listening. See you right back here next week for a little Who Is. See you next week. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies, brother.